You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on people? Welcome to the post-game number crunch. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting, creator of the House and Growls Timberwolves newsletter, and this podcast is proudly brought to you by Canis Hoopus and SB Nation. If you'd like to subscribe to House and Growls, please follow the link in the show notes, or head to houseandgrowls.substack.com to grab a free trial so you can check out all the stuff I'm doing over there. I really do think it is wonderful content. Or you can go right ahead and sign up for a $3 per month subscription. That really helps this podcast a lot. It helps me a lot. It really does um, boost everything that we do over here at House and Drowse and at Hainer Supers from my perspective. Before we get started, I would like to apologize for missing the past two games leading into this one. As you can probably hear, I'm still fighting a losing battle with a pretty bad throat infection. And it wasn't even possible for me to croak one out like I'm attempting to do tonight. With that in mind, please bear with this annoying voice and maybe some audible cuts that you might hear during this episode. It's just really hard for me to get words out in general at the moment and a 10 minute monologue probably isn't going to go as smoothly as it usually does. But I felt compelled to talk about this game. (laughs) Who wouldn't feel compelled to talk about this game? This may not have been Minnesota's hardest fought or most impressive win of the season, but I think there's little doubting that this was their most fun win of the season. They dropped a franchise record 150 points on the lifeless Chicago Bulls, surprisingly lifeless. I know the Bulls have lost a bunch in a row and haven't been very good this entire season, but man, it was so stark to watch them you know, in person or to watch them on TV and really witness how bad they were in this game and supposedly how bad they've been for a while now when you listen to their fans talking about the struggles that they're going through at the moment. Uh, Minnesota won their second straight game, which is very, very good. We know that's been a bit of a bugaboo this season is kind of riding that roller coaster of win-loss, win-loss. And and it was even more impressive because obviously it came without Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns in the lineup. Now, I always say that there were lots of storylines, but man, this game really had lots of storylines. I mean, we could talk all day about Nate Knight. D'Angelo Russell returned and was seriously good. And yes, I'm going to mention it. Minnesota shot the ball ridiculously well from three. And unsurprisingly, won the game off the back of that. But there is no more important storyline, maybe for this franchise in general, than Anthony Edwards. And that's why this episode's number is 11, as in the career-high 11 assists that Ant doled out in this game. 
Let's dive deeper into those numbers and some other numbers after a break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So, yes, a career-high 11 assists from Ant in this game to go along with a season-high 37 points. He also chipped in seven rebounds and two steals while shooting 52% from the field. Jeez, maybe aside from the Memphis game a few weeks back, this really does feel like Edwards' most complete night of his entire career. And the reason it feels that way is because we've never quite seen him make the passing reads he made tonight and then make them over and over and over again throughout a game. He did have four turnovers, but for the most part, he was doing really, really high-level heliocentric stuff with the ball in his hands and doing it by mixing his usual scoring outbursts with legitimate point guard-esque playmaking stuff. Edwards accounted for 27 points coming from his assists, obviously had the 37 from his own hand as well, which is an even more impressive number when you factor in that he's averaging just 10.3 assist points heading into tonight's game, so 10.3 points that come from assists that he made. And along those same lines, Edward was only at, Edwards was only averaging 7.1 potential assists so far this season, meaning on average he was only dishing out 7 passes that led to shot attempts per game. Those numbers kind of make this night seem like an anomaly. I mean, I don't, I, those numbers take a little while to update, so I don't have those numbers for this game specifically, but obviously it was far more than 11 because, uh, more than seven because he had 11 assists and it did feel like there was a few more that Minnesota did miss that came from his passes. But when you consider what he's done for the past few games, it really feels like more of an upward trend than an, than an anomaly. Without Cat and Rudy and before tonight D'Lo, Ant has been shoved into that initiator and creator role seemingly out of nowhere with no one there to help him outside of maybe Jalen Noel. If he played his usual brand of the swashbuckling scorer's game, he'd be shooting 60 shots a night and nobody else would touch the ball. So he's been forced to adapt and that adaption has been bubbling away and eventually seems to have culminated in this game specifically. I thought he made a lot of smart decisions against the Clippers two games back when they were trapping him nearly every time down the floor at half court, but it didn't really manifest itself in the numbers. But when you were watching the game, you could see that he was really getting off the ball quickly. He understood that he didn't have to be the scorer that night to give his team a chance, and Minnesota did have a chance in that game, even though they lost. And it really felt like, 
the penny was beginning to drop for him in terms of what he needed to do in this role as an initiator and a creator. And then he goes to OKC and he dishes out seven assists and controlled that night really well as a pseudo point guard. And then we land on this game where he was even better and D'Angelo Russell was back in the lineup and available to take a big chunk of that playmaking responsibility if it came to that. And maybe even looking back on their two careers, you would say that Russell deserved that chunk of responsibility. And that was my favorite part of this whole thing. Ant seemed to want to be that playmaker. He seemed to want to take the ball out of Russell's hands, but not just so he could get his own shots up. In the end, we were left with an array of really high-level passing reads. I'm going to fire through them here because I think it's important to speak out loud or for you guys to listen out loud about the variations of these passes and the difficulty level of these passes. Now, it starts with an off-handed pick-and-roll pass to a rolling Nas read, something that's very easy to overlook, but again, it's with his left hand, he's going to his left, Chicago are trapping all night or playing two on the ball, very similar to what Minnesota's defense was last season and how it is still when Towns is out there and even tonight when Nate Knight was out there, they did a lot of two on the ball, high wall defense. Um, Chicago are running that uh, that coverage and running it really aggressively, which we've seen last season especially can really lead to open roll men and open shooters in the corners. Minnesota were killed by the likes of Doncic and Trey Young and guys like that who could both make shots and make really smart decisions when passing the ball. And Ant turned into that guy tonight. So it starts with that offhand pick and roll pass to Nas Reed, breaks down the defense. Uh, within the first few of his assists, he had two different hit ahead passes that normally I feel like Ant would take himself and try and collapse the defense and, and pass it after the defense has collapsed, or he would just simply go to the rim himself. Uh, tonight, he was, was throwing those passes out early and it was turning Chicago's defensive shell or what was left of their defensive shell pretty much just into mush and it led to two easy layups. There was another two-handed pick and roll whip to Nate Knight as he was rolling to the rim. Again, very similar to the Nas Reed one, although he did it with two hands, but he was going to his left. Did it through two defenders on the ball. Another really, really good and really well-timed pass to Nate Knight, who was percolating at that stage. Uh... There were a couple of simple drive and kick plays where he collapsed the defense and then made the right play to shooters, which is something he actually does quite often, Anthony Edwards. It's kind of his wheelhouse as a passer. It's probably what he's experienced for most of his life as the go-to scorer on pretty much every team he's ever played on. As soon as he gets into the paint or inside the arc and he sees that you know there's three guys coming towards him, he can simply kick the ball out and make the right pass to a shooter. But the ones that I really wanted to talk about were the final two assists of the night, which were by far the most encouraging. Now, to me, the first pass, or the 10th assist that he had, but the first pass of these final two is the best pass that he has thrown in his NBA career. And frankly, I don't think anything even comes close. He's coming off a ball screen on the left wing and... He's still behind the three-point arc, mind you, when he throws this pass. 
he's being trapped by Patrick Williams and Nikola Vucevic with DeMar DeRozan leaving his man in the corner to come and join the trap. So he's pretty much being trapped by three guys. With all of that going on, still behind the three-point arc, he slings a off-handed, so left-handed, live dribble pass. He doesn't pick the ball up beforehand. He, he, he brings it straight up out of a dribble. He whips that across the entire court to Austin Rivers, who is standing wide open in the weak side corner, lands right in his bread basket, and Austin Rivers converts, which has been nice to see as well. Austin Rivers shooting very well from three, and passes like that really help these struggling shooters to get going a little bit more. I'll tweet out the clip of that of that play if you don't remember it, but go and watch it even if you do. It is seriously an insane, insane look. And like I said, I think it's the best pass he's ever thrown. It is a high difficulty pass, even for a Doncic, even for a Young, even for a Chris Paul, anyone, any one of the best passers in the NBA don't necessarily struggle to make that pass, but that is a pass right out of their top draw. And to see Edwards make it, to see him make it quite nonchalantly was really something that I just didn't expect to see like it's not something we've seen we've seen a few cross-court skip passes over his time or some some left-handed kickouts on drives that have been really nice passes but nothing quite as good as that and he only follows that up by breaking Chicago's defense with another cross-court skip pass this time from the right side of the floor this time to Jaden McDaniels who knocks down the three as well very similar pass not quite as high degree of difficulty as the first one but again, he's been trapped. He comes off the ball screen. He makes the decision quickly. He hits the pass decisively. It goes straight into Jaden McDaniel's shooting pocket. And away we go, easy three. And that's just not normal Edward, Anthony Edwards passing. That's the kind of stuff, again, you see from the Donchiches and the Trey Youngs of the world. That's the kind of stuff that will allow Minnesota or Chris Finch or the coaching staff to trust Anthony Edwards with the ball in his hands. And it'll help up Minnesota's dismal three-point percentage because to this point, you can trust Anthony Edwards with the ball in his hands, but you also have to trust that he's probably going to put up his own shot. Now, seeing Edwards do this from a two or three-game sample size isn't enough to say that he's a pass-first guy or anything like that. But this is the next step for him. Whether D'Lo or Carl or Rudy are there or not, we've seen Anthony Edwards now have multiple games where he's pretty much running the point, but even if he's not running the point, he's using his touches to kind of equally share scoring and playmaking responsibilities. And now that we've seen it a few times, I think the expectation will probably be from the coaching staff and from us as fans to see it consistently. And if we do, Edwards' star will rise astronomically because that is really the next step for him along with some off-ball defense stuff. And next up, we get to see it again. And next up, we get to see the heliocentric king, Luka Doncic himself, in a back-to-back set against the Dallas Mavericks. Both teams are 15 and 15. Both teams will be really, really looking to get at least one of these wins, if hopefully two, if hopefully for Minnesota two wins there will be lots to talk about from these two games hopefully my voice can be here to discuss it and thank you for hanging in with this croaky voice and hopefully you'll be here to discuss it as well